If you try anything to raise the cost of producing jobs, I will veto it. Call a quick and to the point cold open. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's July 13th, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not subscribed to our various channels on the internet, please do. Uh, before I begin, I just want to note, because we got a lot of comments yesterday, I got a lot of emails, the Locals community, people on YouTube, etc., etc. A lot of people concerned and with advice on what to do, because I mentioned that the boys uh, caught some kind of stomach virus. There was a lot of pooping and puking and diarrhea and all sorts of stuff. And then David got it and somehow I have escaped this thing. Uh, but we cleared the rest of my schedule yesterday. We took care of everybody. People are getting better. Everything's under control. I got a better night's sleep. I think I'll be a little sharper on the program today, but most importantly, uh, the boys are on the mend. Luke is actually completely fine. Uh, Justin was really great last night. He seems to have kind of gone backwards a little bit this morning, but we think he's on the other side of it. Spoke to the pediatrician. It's all good. So thank you for your concern. And, and really thanks mostly to the moms who offered us all sorts of little bits of wisdom and advice and, and all that good stuff. Uh, anyway, as always, we've got a post-game wrap-up after the show. If you'd like to join us at rubenreport.locals.com. This morning I posted a picture of Clyde and asked for other dog and animal-related pictures, of which we have many. Those are the types of things that we do on the good side of the internet, not the Facebook TikTok, Instagram side. Uh, that's what we're doing over there. Uh, and today's theme, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it, it is not purely political. We're diving back into that culture war thing. Uh, we're going to talk about victimhood because victimhood seems to be the driver of so many of the problems of the day, right? Every day, somebody, this happened to me and I was born in America and I can't do this and he was mean to me. And somehow they think that victimhood gives them virtue. And this is a huge problem. It's completely backwards, right? Getting what is yours, doing what is right, standing up straight with your shoulders back, saying the truth, fighting for what's right. Those are all the things that give you purpose, that give you value, that help you build a good, a good world. But that is not what the entire structure or machine, as I always call it, uh, that's not what it is basically pushing on the rest of us. So the framing today is about uh, actor Jonah Hill. For, and for all the years that I've done the Ruben Report, I don't think I've ever mentioned Jonah Hill before. I have no particular feelings about him one way or another. I liked him in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, but he is in the middle of this big brouhaha right now because a couple texts that he sent to his now ex-girlfriend by the name of Sarah Brady uh, about what he expected of her as a girlfriend uh, were leaked and people are saying all sorts of crazy things about Jonah Hill, but he, he asked her uh, for some, what I would say are pretty basic functions that you'd have in a relationship of any kind. So we're gonna connect that to some stuff going on with Dylan Mulvaney, he or she has fled the country. Uh, and then of course, Hunter Biden and uh, how the media is running cover for him, but how mostly according to the media, everything related to Hunter Biden is actually Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis's fault and what you can do to empower yourself. All right, that's an intro for you. Let's talk about Moink Box and then get to it. 
I know that you guys know that 60% of U.S. pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese. Their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China, yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. Well, guys, there's a better way. I want to tell you about Moink. That's Moo plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. You choose the meat delivered in every box like ribeyes to chicken breasts, to pork chops, to salmon fillets, and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time, and you guys know that there's nothing I love doing more than cooking one of their filet mignons on my big green egg on a Friday night. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, and they guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now. And listeners of this show get free ground beef for a year. That's one of the best ground beef you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, moinkbox.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right, let's dive into this Jonah Hill situation. And you'll see why I think this is bigger than just reading some leaked texts about a celebrity. I, you know I don't do that gossip stuff, but I think it connects directly to so many of the cultural issues uh, that are wrong these days. We've got some info from the Daily Wire. Jonah Hill's surfer ex-girlfriend said she intentionally waited until after his current girlfriend had delivered their first child to go public with accusations of emotional abuse against the actor. Sarah Brady released a number of text messages she said were attempts to control her behavior over the weekend. And she reportedly told her Instagram followers that she had waited because she was concerned about the impact her statements could have on Hill's girlfriend, Olivia Mylar, especially if she were to read the text while pregnant. Brady posted a series of texts in which Hill explained what he expected of her with the regard to the way she presented herself if they were going to be dating seriously. One of the texts read, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate relationships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the way these actions have hurt our trust. So this is rather incredible. Everything that she just laid out that uh, he said about her seems pretty straightforward. Don't have sexual relations with other people. Ease up on whatever your wild past might have been. Uh, don't hang out with these wild chicks. Like Jonah did not say anything crazy there. He wasn't abusive. He asked her maybe uh, there was a little something about dressing a certain way, but uh, I certainly think that a guy and a chick or two dudes or whoever, whoever you're in a relationship with, you're allowed to talk to your other partner about that. But clearly he was doing it in a respectful manner. So I want to show you in a moment some of the reaction, some of the mainstream media reaction to Jonah Hill, which again, I think you would, by most people's estimation, what he said there, there was nothing over the top about it. It was fairly within bounds, certainly not worth leaking or, or anything like that. Uh, there's a guy by the name of uh, Sterling Cooper. He's a sex coach for men online. He had an interesting tweet about those texts, he said, setting boundaries isn't manipulation. 
It isn't toxic. It isn't misogynistic. It's the only way to have an honest and trusting relationship. Jonah Hill did nothing wrong. Men should kick a woman to the curb if she oversteps his boundaries. So again, it's important, I think, for anyone in any relationship of any nature, you set some boundaries with your partner. You set some expectations. You say, these are the things that are tolerable for me. These are the things that I prefer. These are the behaviors that are acceptable and not acceptable. We all, anyone that's in a relationship that's remotely functional knows that. So by Jonah just saying those things, and there's no indication that he was being a dick about it or being abusive about it or anything, uh, he did the right thing. And by the way, she had every right to do it to him, right? Women should do that to men too. These are the behaviors I expect. I don't expect you to be going out with your old girlfriends all night or getting drunk with your buddies all night when you should be home you know, with our kids or whatever it might be. Uh, Lauren Chen, you guys know Lauren Chen. She's been on the show many times. Uh, she's part of the Blaze Network, a, a good friend of mine. Uh, she was on the pa uh, Patrick Bet David podcast yesterday, uh, and I thought she had a nice uh, defense of Jonah Hill. I could not imagine a more reasonable sentiment from a boyfriend. <laughs> not only that, but he communicated very, very clearly and very sensitively, I felt. He's essentially saying, this is what I expect in a relationship you are currently not meeting those standards. If you want to keep going on the way you're going, that's totally fine. People have accused him of being controlling. He is not telling her what to do. He is simply saying, I will not be a part of it. And guess what, women? We are not entitled to have a boyfriend, to have a certain man's time. He is just setting, I thought, very reasonable boundaries. I know in this social media age, it's for some reason controversial to say, hey, you probably shouldn't be posting thirst traps. I would say that, period, but especially if you're in a relationship. So to see people calling Jonah Hill abusive for this, I was really surprised. I was expecting something really juicy, yeah. outrageous when I opened the text, and then it's just, okay. <laughs> Okay, so you might be watching this so far going, Dave, what, what's the big deal about this? Why are you even bringing up Joan Hill? This feels like gossip. But now I'm going to connect it to something much bigger in society. And that is how mainstream media responds to virtually everything wrong. So Phoenix, before the show, did a very simple Google search. What was the phrase that you actually Googled to get this? It was, it was just Jonah Hill, Sarah Brady. And now we are going to show you, we've got screen captures of it. I'm going to read these headlines. And you tell me if that, if these headlines properly capture the text messages that I just read you. Uh, this is from Stylecaster. Jonah Hill text messages, girlfriend Sarah Brady, abuse screenshots. Forbes, what to know about Jonah Hill's emotional abuse allegations from ex-girlfriend. That one's almost okay. Yahoo, Jonah Hill's ex Sarah Brady waited until after his fiance gave him birth to accuse him of emotional abuse. Entertainment Weekly. Meghan McCain defends Jonah Hill over abuse allegations. The Cut, Jonah Hill's ex Sarah Brady accuses him of emotional abuse. Daily Mail, Jonah Hill ex Sarah Brady praises brave actress Alexa Nicholas after emotional abuse allegations, accusations. Vanity Fair, Jonah Hill accused of emotional abuse by ex-girlfriend. BuzzFeed News, Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady branded him emotionally abusive, misogynistic after leaking their alleged texts. Here's everything you need to know. The Forward, was Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend wrong to share texts showing his abuse? E! Online, Jonah Hill's ex Sarah Brady accuses actor of emotional abuse. Huffington Post, Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend accuses actor of emotional abuse.
<laughs> Where'd they come up with that? Uh, page six, Jonah Hill's ex, Sarah Brady, blasts him over alleged emotional abuse. So do you see the way the mainstream media does everything? Not all of those are perfectly equal in their sort of manipulation. Some of them are a little more direct, but every single one takes, take, makes a story out of something that is completely innocuous. Now I get celebrity culture lends itself to these idiotic clip, clickbait stories and everything else. But right now, Jonah Hill, who by every estimation did absolutely nothing wrong, and as Lauren Chen points out, did the right thing, set the basic boundaries respectfully of what he, his expectations are in a relationship. Again, something that we all should do in all of our relationships, not only with a significant other, but with, with parents, with friends, with, with everybody, right? These are the things that I'm, I'm okay with in the nature of this relationship, right? We should all do that. We don't always do it, but we should do it, right? Now, all of those corporate press media outlets are somehow framing it. The average person who does not read those articles, what, what do they now have in their head? Jonah Hill is emotionally abusive, right? Some of them outright said it. Some of them implied it. And then they figure out ways to editorialize once they write the article. But that notion, the notion of just sort of a nothing burger that becomes a headline and that headline gets repeated throughout all of the mainstream media. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to the way that for years they lied about Donald Trump? Does that sound familiar to the way lately they've been lying about Ron DeSantis? Does that sound familiar to the way that they run cover, say, for Joe Biden or Hunter Biden? This is the way they do it. That's why I'm trying to show you this story. We're doing this, right? We're pulling back the curtain so I can show you on the other side. Uh, but this notion that you must be a victim to somehow uh, feel empowered is so freaking dangerous. It, it perhaps is the most emotionally dangerous uh, thing that we have happening in the United States today. Uh, one of the prime movers of this is Dylan Mulvaney. Now, Dylan Mulvaney is a guy who I guess did some surgeries and pretends to be a girl. You know the whole brouhaha with Bud Light, which is now caused Bud Light is no longer uh, not only is it not just the number one beer in America, which it was before all of this, it's not even in the top 10 anymore. Anheuser-Busch has lost billions of dollars in market share. Companies are not serving an, uh, Bud Light at bars anymore. It's stocked up in crazy ways on shelves at supermarkets, but that won't last any much longer because people just don't want to buy it anymore. Anyway, Dylan Mulvaney, who caught, brought all of this onto himself, right, by putting up these crazy videos, pretending to be a girl, I blame also the Bud Light executives who got him involved in all of this, uh, but he put this video up. Uh, he is currently in Peru at Machu Picchu, which is one of the seven wonders of the world that we discussed yesterday, uh, and he's still he's still victim in all of this. Hi, is this an okay time? Okay, surprise, I'm in Peru, and I'm at Machu Picchu. Isn't this just so beautiful? Um, I'm here by myself and I used to do a ton of solo traveling. I'm telling you, it's the best. If you could ever do a solo trip somewhere, it is such a good way to get to know yourself better. Um, but I came here to feel something, you know what I mean? And I definitely have. I've done shaman ceremonies that were like 10 years worth of therapy. It was wild. Um, I've seen a lot of llamas. And the people here are so kind. I feel very safe here. It's a little sad that I had to leave my country to feel safe, but that will get better eventually. And I am dying for some Trader Joe's rolled chili lime chips. But other than that, I am so content. Still haven't been kissed yet, but I'm holding out hope. And most of all, you know, this trip has just has me feeling like I'm my own best friend again. 
And that is the best feeling in the world. And I hope that you feel that way about yourself too. And I love ya. Okay. Bye. Machu Picchu. Wow. Gorgeous. All right. First off, as Brock just pointed out, we have no reason to believe that Dylan Mulvaney is now sponsored by Trader Joe's. I don't want everybody to now boycott Trader Joe's. I have no problem with Trader Joe's. For many, many years, I shopped at Trader Joe's. That, that's not my closest supermarket anymore, but he just happens to like those chili lime chips at Trader Joe's. Let's not go crazy people. Uh, but this idea that he had to flee the country, but despite doing shaman work, uh, work with shamans, right? And like all sort of self-actualization stuff, He's still out there taking the things. Oh, I had to flee the country. This, this like out of control, crazy ego thing. But you might be going, Dave, you've shown us this Jonah Hill thing. And then you said, okay, it was just because you wanted to show us the media reaction, the behind the curtain media reaction. Why are you showing us this Dylan Mulvaney thing? We know he's not this great hero or anything like that. Who cares? Well, there's something funny related to the mainstream media. Here's CNN misgendering. Dylan Mulvaney. We even talked to a bar in Chicago, one bar that was telling us basically they're, re they're not gonna serve it because they don't like the way Dylan Mulvaney was treated after this whole controversy started. He, of course, is the transgender uh, person they were gonna uh, uh, sponsor and go along with with Bud Light. They didn't like how Bud Light didn't stand by him after all this. It, Ryan, it's, it's really interesting and great that you got the temperature. Um, from people you're talking to. It's one of the, it's the culture it's war. It's something. It's the culture wars. It's a tough um, time. Yeah, it it's is. A tough time. Ryan Young, that was a great story. Thank you. Okay, so there's a couple of things. First off, the guy calls Dylan Mulvaney him and he repeatedly throughout that, right? That's, that's one thing that's funny about that. Did you catch though that the story is about how a bar is not serving Bud Light because they're pissed about Dylan Mulvaney being sponsored by Bud Light. The bar's no longer serving Bud Light because they're pissed that Bud Light didn't back Dylan Mulvaney after all of this. So Bud Light is just getting hit by everybody, which is exactly what they deserve. But because this fella misgendered Dylan Mulvaney, him, he repeatedly, yes, the next day CNN had to issue an apology. We do want to make an important note. Yesterday in a segment about transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who was featured in Bud Light's recent campaign, she was mistakenly referred to by the wrong pronoun. And CNN aims to honor individuals' ways of identifying themselves, and we apologize for that. Well, she's a guy, so... CNN, thank you, Cotter. Uh, CNN wants to honor people's pronouns. Unfortunately, they can't honor journalism. That would be preferred if you asked me, but you know, I'm old school. But let's continue that to something else. The other, so what they do is they make mountains out of molehills when it comes to certain things. Jonah Hill, for example, being totally respectful. He will soon be part of the alt-right. You guys know how that game is played. Uh, but they also run cover relentlessly for certain people. And by certain people, yes, I mean Democrats. We showed you this video the other day, but I, I really think it so illustrates what is wrong with almost everything. So do warning, you're getting something from The View, and this is a, a, this is a double shot. It's a Thursday, you're getting the same clip twice in one week, and you're gonna have to judge whether I'm someone worth listening to that would do something like this to you. Uh, but this is the Harpies on The View running cover for not only Hunter Biden, who's basically ignoring and disassociating from his biological daughter, 
uh, but also Joe Biden, who apparently wants nothing to do with his granddaughter. And there's just so many things wrong with this watch. Uh, scarring hit one of his grandchildren's lives by not publicly embracing her. So apparently his son had a baby with a woman. They've fought about it. And he pays for the, uh, for the baby, but he has not embraced the child. So Maureen Dowd is saying it's bad for the child that the president has not acknowledged her. So I, I kind of think, well, that's a, she should be fetching at the son whose baby it is. You, it's not the president's baby. So I don't know what you think, but I'm throwing it out. I agree with you completely. It shouldn't have been, uh, it's uh, uh, directed to Joe Biden. It should be directed to Hunter Biden. It's five children, not four, Hunter, because this is not Joe Biden's baby. And I think it's very hard for Joe Biden to be a grandfather to the child if his son is not being a father. He can talk to his child. He can advise Hunter. But look, what is, what is absolutely evident to me is that the right wing and the MAGA world has decided to weaponize Hunter Biden against his dad. Yeah. And everything and anything Hunter does or does not do is going to be weaponized. And, and this is and Maureen Dowd at the New York. Yeah. You guys get it. You guys get it. And even Alyssa Farah there at the end, who's the supposed conservative, but she's nothing but a highly paid hack. They run cover for Democrats. There is no reason that Joe Biden and Jill Biden cannot have a relationship with their granddaughter. He is their biological granddaughter. Hunter Biden may be a crackhead and an evil bastard and God, whatever else you want to think of Hunter Biden. But that does not mean that Joe Biden as the grandfather, think about that. There are probably hundreds of thousands, probably, I wonder if you could even run numbers on this, probably hundreds of thousands of grandparents in the United States who are taking care of their grandchildren right now because of parents who have passed away, who are not psychologically able to, who are addicted to substances, whatever, because their parents have to work in other areas, whatever the reasons might be. You now have the most privileged family in America. The guy's the freaking president of the United States. They are all worth millions and millions of dollars. The son is a drug addict and everything else. He most likely left cocaine at the White House last week, which by the way, the FBI and CIA officially as of this morning, they're just saying now, nope, we're just done. We're not even gonna look any further into figuring out whose it was. So I'm pretty sure we know whose it was. Um, and their, their concern mostly is that this is about the right wing. It's about what the right wing will be doing. As I said the other day, just imagine if Donald Trump Jr., who doesn't even drink, by the way, I've been out with him many times. He does not even take a sip of alcohol, much like his dad doesn't take a sip of alcohol. Um, imagine if he was a crackhead and imagine if he had a one night stand with a girl and then wanted nothing to do with that girl. And then Donald Trump it publicly came out that Donald Trump wanted nothing to do with his granddaughter. Imagine what the people, the people, the, the, the harpies, the witches, the wenches of The View would be saying about Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. But this is what they do. And now it's, this one's even worse. This one is really extraordinary because Jake Tapper, and Jake Tapper, I would say, is I, I think you could describe him as the biggest disappointment of CNN because when he was brought in maybe 10 years ago from ABC News, where I think he was the chief White House correspondent, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was thought of as sort of like a centrist, like everyone knew. Okay, you're part of the machine, you're a Democrat. But he was like supposed to be the non-insane person at CNN, right? They had Stelter, they had Lemon, they had Acosta. They had like the clown show of people that obviously were what they were. Tape, Tapper was supposed to be the respectable guy. 
Listen to the way he covered the story about Hunter Biden, who doesn't give an F about his own daughter, and Joe Biden, who doesn't give an F about his granddaughter. And, and we should point out, just for the sake of fairness, that Navy's mom, uh, Hunt, uh, who you know had the uh, incident with Hunter that resulted in this in this beautiful child, uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far right folks, uh, some that Ziegler guy. And Oh, right. So this isn't really about Hunter not doing right by his own daughter or Joe Biden not doing right by his granddaughter. The fact that they are stopping this girl from using the Biden name. I mean, it's so profoundly disgusting. It really is just so profoundly disgusting and it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. What this is really about is somehow the chick that Hunter banged in the one night stand, she's now associated with the far right and the alt right and this Ziegler guy. By the way, a little info on this guy, uh, Garrett Ziegler. He worked under Trump advisor Peter Navarro and he had published a 600 page report on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. Uh, when Roberts was working with Ziegler in May, Biden's legal team appeared concerned about the former Trump aide's testimony and tried to have him disqualified as an expert. That's just a little sidebar on this Ziegler guy, but that just doesn't even matter. You see the way Jake did that so subtly. Instead of what the real issue here is about Hunter and the president's grandchild and everything else, it's mostly, yeah, yeah, the chick, she's, she's far right, she's far right. And speaking of which, uh, Chuck Todd, who will soon be out at NBC, do we, do we have an exit date for that fraud? Uh, soon enough, he'll be out. Uh, here he is also with the brilliant framing. It's not really about Joe and Hunter and this poor kid. This is about Trump and DeSantis. Um, before I close, Maureen Dowd, Garrett had a pretty tough piece on, on Joe Biden's. Uh, it was about sort of that the Biden family isn't acknowledging all of Hunter Biden's children. Uh, it's seven grandkids, Mr. President, not six. I think we've all understand the personal challenge and, and, and concern and all of these things that the that the that the president has here. But his political foes are see this and they're trying to exploit. They're try, I mean, there's no doubt every day DeSantis or, or, or Trump tries to use Hunter to beat up Biden. Uh, how's that world handling it? Look, I don't think anybody envies the position that the president and his family are in mm -hmm. on this issue because his family and Hunter specifically have become his primary political liability in a lot of ways. I mean, look at the cocaine story from the last week and how many Republicans have tried to seize on that Cheapness. issue. It's really kind of ugly the it, way it's been done. It's kind of yeah. a it's certainly kind of a tacky play here. But yeah. I mean, look, this is as complex as it gets to have to, you know, I don't think all of us here are parents, right? The idea of trying to balance your family's needs versus your political imperatives is is just ugly and unpleasant yeah. in politics as we're going to get and we're going to get way down in that guy's awful i don't know who that guy is it doesn't even matter who that guy is but like weighing family and policy and public and all of that like it's your grandchild joe biden i don't know uh that you care but that is the actual truth like it does not matter if your son was a great guy or an awful guy or a crackhead or a fraud or Mr. Wonderful or anything else, it's still your grandchild and the way they run cover. And it's really, guys, what this is really about is how Republicans, how Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are using this. And look at the way they focused on the cocaine at the White House, because surely if cocaine was found at a Republican White House, uh, they'd be trying to run cover for that. It's so just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the next version, of course, of all of this is that when anyone does anything to stand up, and fight the machine, 
they just come for you relentlessly. So one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately is how it's very odd to me, although I think if you just think about it a little bit deeper, it's not that odd, that the New York Times and Washington Post and MSNBC really are on the same side as Donald Trump right now when it comes to Ron DeSantis. So here is uh, a New York Times reporter, uh, James Co uh, Jane Coaston, going after DeSantis because he's campaigning. Now she's a lefty, of course, but he's campaigning in a way she doesn't like, so he must be awful and bad. He is an actual governor of an actual state. He has a lot of things he could talk about, especially to an audience of Republicans that are tired of Trump. They are tired of just acrimony. They want to get things done. And they have, you know, there's here's a governor of a state that is doing well, that he, he was more than victorious in his reelection campaign. And now he's running to be like to you know, appeal to people on 4chan. What is this? It's, it's a very strange campaign when he could be talking about how he opened up Florida and defeated COVID whatever. And instead he's like, no, I am going to run as the most right wing edgelord person you've ever seen on the Internet. 4chan, edgelord, like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. DeSantis, whether you like DeSantis or not, and I know a lot of you that watch this show do like DeSantis. I obviously like DeSantis. I know a lot of you uh, would prefer Trump. That's just fine. I'll support whoever uh, the ultimate nominee is, certainly more than any kind of Democrat. Um, but, like, this is just, this analysis is just pure drivel, but this is what is on corporate press on the, uh, on the weekends, on these Sunday shows. It's just nonsense. DeSantis has run a campaign that you may, you may not like the campaign. You may not like the direction he's going in. And clearly she's an activist, not a journalist. So she doesn't like DeSantis, but he's run on, look what I've done on COVID. Look how I'm fighting the woke. Look what I did with Disney. Look how I'm getting ESG out of our institutions here. It's, he's run on pure policy, but no, he's run as uh, on 4chan. I, first, I, I've never even been on 4chan. I don't know exactly what 4chan is. Yeah, your eyes just like lit up. Like nobody wants to be on 4chan. I don't even, I genuinely don't even know exactly what it is. It's like the total like cesspool of the internet, I guess. And an edgelord, like edgelord, I'm, that phrase is usually thought of as like, you're one of these people that's online, always going after people and trolling. Like that's far more Trump than it is DeSantis. But you can see who they really fear. But I want to show you this one. If you want to see really like the corporate press, this might be the best example. It never stops, but this might be the best example of how corrupt they are. This is Business Insider uh, yesterday. Was this yesterday or two days ago? The first article is the original. More people actually moved out of Florida than New York or California in 2021. And then, of course, it gets ratioed to high hell. And then two, was it two hours later, we got it wrong. More people moved out of New York and California than Florida in 2021. The, the author of the piece, what's the name of the person? The author of the piece? Kelsey, Kelsey Neubauer or something. Kelsey Neubauer, this person literally took the numbers and just reversed them. It's roughly 670,000 people in 21 alone, 2021 alone, that moved to Florida. She literally, she or he, I don't know, it doesn't even matter, and she might be a he, literally just reversed the numbers and then printed an article that gets by all the editors of Business Insider, and then it isn't until the internet is like, what the f are you talking about that they reverse it? But once again, guys, you get it. The, 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 these accidents, they only go in one direction, right? So they love victimhood. They love running cover for all of the bad people. They love running cover for the bad policies and everything else. And speaking of bad people and bad policies, I thought this was a good one. 
Maxine Waters. You guys remember Maxine Waters. I haven't talked about her for quite some time. She's a representative uh, in Los Angeles. She represents a very economically depressed area. That's not where she lives, though. She lives in Hancock Park, which is one of the richest areas in all of Los Angeles. I think she has about a $5 million mansion. God bless her. I don't know how she made all that money in this oppressive racist state that we live in. Uh, but again, that's not the district that she represents. Uh, she here uh, explaining why we must have ESG. Now, ESG, this corporate index, meaning corporations must follow certain climate policies, diversity initiatives, all of these things, these, this modern woke nonsense that combines government with corporations, which is known as fascism. Here's Democrat Representative Maxine Waters, progressive lunatic, explaining why we need ESG. It's become a dirty word for corporate America. It's gotten so politicized. It certainly has gotten politicized, and it's unfortunate because it's inevitable uh, that everyone is going to have to participate in dealing with the environmental crisis, social uh, activity, and, of course, uh, corporate governance. And so even if these attempts uh, to deny or to delay are taking place in the, in the final analysis, we're going to have to have ESG. And so, yes, uh, we're paying a lot of attention to it. Uh, we're going to fight back against these attempts to deny or destroy uh, the whole idea of environmental, uh, social and governance. Uh, but uh, we have to do it in order to save this planet. All right. First off, the woman looks like an old catcher's mitt. You remember when you have an old baseball glove and you oil it up and you put a baseball in it and you wrap it up with the, with the tie and you put it under your bed so that you can kind of break it in a little bit. And over time, you take it out and you look at that thing. And I had my baseball glove when I was growing up. Was It had Ozzie Smith in the middle. Remember Ozzie Smith shortstop, the Wizard of Oz from the St. Louis Cardinals. That was my glove. She looks like Ozzie Smith's glove. She also looks like a California raisin. That's for you people to decide. I leave that to you, uh, and I'm also open in the comments if you wanna leave anything else she looks at like, that's just fine there. But do you see who the fascists are? What she is saying is we want to use the government through ESG to force corporations to do what we cannot force people to do on their own. So if we can't push through all of the climate nonsense that we wanna push, we wanna make corporations sign on to pledges saying they will do X, Y, and Z for the climate. We, can't no, we can no longer discriminate in the government based on diversity, equity, inclusion. They still do it in their own way, and I think that'll get up to the Supreme Court as well. We obviously won the affirmative action case last week, but we know that the government is clearly using diversity, equity, and inclusion when it comes to hiring. But she's saying corporations must do it too. What right does the government have to tell a corporation what color of skin the people they are going to hire have to have? It is, this is literally fascism. The Democrats are fascist at this point. The, excuse me, at this point, which is why they call everybody else fascist, because that is one of the basic ideas that they have done extremely well. Accuse everybody else of doing the very thing that you are doing. But what else do they love besides neo-racism and chopping children's genitals off? Well, of course, it's the climate thing. I think this is one of the stupidest tweets I have ever seen in my entire life. This is former presidential candidate, Amy Klobuchar, Democrat from Minnesota. This is the hottest summer on record for the entire world. That's why we passed the Inflation Reduction Act to significantly decrease 
greenhouse gases. The time to act is now, not tomorrow, not 50 years from now. Just to be clear, people, leave the tweet up for just a moment. She is trying to tell you that the Inflation Reduction Act, which did not reduce inflation, actually it increased inflation because we just printed money, thus devalued money. So money became worth less, that increased inflation, that that somehow is going to stop climate change. And I thought instead of giving my opinion on this, it reminded me of something. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. That's right, those two old women from the Geico commercial giving you political analysts, uh, political analysis on Amy Klobuchar, just absolutely ridiculous. But let's connect this to something else for a moment. This need to be a victim, right? I am a victim. My boyfriend wanted me to dress a certain way and not be banging other dudes. I am a victim because I was part of a giant marketing campaign. It didn't go the way I wanted, so now I have to be alone in Machu Picchu. I am a victim because the government isn't allowing me to force my employees to do whatever it wants me to do. I will endlessly bitch and moan about everything while I live in the greatest place in the history of the world. I don't know what accent I'm doing. Enough of the victimhood, guys. I saw this video. This is uh, my buddy Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire doing a college event, and uh, they were not happy with him. They were screaming. They were shouting. They were trying to silence a speaker on college campuses, which we all know all too well. Uh, and Knowles uh, mocked the victims of the faux oppression quite well. I know, you're so oppressed, my dears. I know, life is so hard for you. You have to live in the richest, most equitable, most just country in the history of the world. You have to get a college education. You have to voluntarily go to lectures. It's so awful. I can't imagine that, you know, the people, people who are in war-torn nations, they must truly, they must truly pity you. Okay, goodbye, goodbye then. Yeah. Look, these kids, you can't blame the kids, right? You can't, at some point, like we can make fun of these kids and okay, it is what it is, but like you can't blame the kids. The education system has failed them. Their parents have failed them. The institutions have failed them. The school there has failed them by not teaching them the right things. Everything has failed them. And next thing you know, they're morbidly obese. They're penises of vagina and they're a little pissed and you, and you wonder why. So guys, what is the solution to all of this? Well, it's a lot of the stuff that obviously Jordan Peterson talks about. It's some of the stuff that I've been showing you that Andrew Tate's been talking about. It's some of the things that I've been trying to talk about here, just like kind of get your shit roughly together and see what you can do with the world. Like that pretty much sums it up. Uh, but Patrick Bet David uh, from Valuetainment, he had a, a nice little soliloquy on why victimhood mentality is not attractive. All of us tend to go there sometimes. Well, man, I've been working so hard lately. You chose to be a SEAL. Let me tell you, all this pressure. This, stop about You had kids. Nobody told you to have unprotected sex. Well, let me tell you, you know, how life is being a single man. You chose to become single. Nothing is attractive about victimhood mentality. It's got nothing to do with left, right, middle, center, black, white, Asian, Middle Eastern, women, men, gay, straight. No one cares. Yeah. Stop being a victim. It's not attractive. That is literally it. But if the Democrats did not have, however, we don't know how many people it is, but they still win elections one way or another. 
if, if a certain amount of people in this country had not been so brainwashed to be NPCs and just to have no drive to do anything other than burn everything down, man, we still have it so good. And that is the challenge for all of us to find that goodness, to find the good people and go out there and, and build things. You know, yesterday, as I was being pooped on repeatedly, I mean, full on diarrhea, blowing out of diapers, puked on, like it was, I was holding the remote. I was holding, <laughs> I was holding Justin, you know, and he's having a rough day and we're doing our thing. And I wanted the, one of the few things that was calming him down. Do you know this woman, Miss Rachel? If, if you don't have kids, you probably don't know her, but if you have kids, you know this woman. It's one of, it's the only thing we let the kids watch. This woman, Miss Rachel, she's got a great way with young children that it feels like it's learning and it's not too many colors and it's not too fast, whatever. It was the one thing calming him down. So I picked up the remote to put on Miss Rachel and I'm holding him and I have the remote and diarrhea through all over the remote, all, but I didn't complain. I didn't complain. It's life. If anything, by the end of the day, I was like, boy, I had a hell of a day today. I had a hell of a day today. And there's something important going on here with being a parent and being a father and doing what you're supposed to do. Uh, I want to go with one other thing that Patrick Bet David said. This was a, a tweet that he put out yesterday that I thought also kind of caught this really nicely. Uh, alphas find each other. Bitter, bitter people find each other. Entitled people find each other. Positive people find each other. Big thinkers find each other. Those who blame the find each other. Critical thinkers find each other. Those who can reason find each other. Criminals find each other. Party animals find each other. Gamers find each other. Those who believe in God find each other. Atheists find each other. Complainers find each other. Your circle is a direct reflection of you. You attract who you relate to. I like my circle to be driven, competitive, able to reason, fun, loyal, supportive, while constantly in the hunt for the next milestone. If you don't like your circle, start by changing your mindset. Then identify which types of people you want in your circle. Eventually, your circle will upgrade. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for today. I think that you uh, are in my circle. I hope you consider me someone that's in your circle. Even if not in real life, we do it through these electronic wires. And I think we are in on this thing together. And we, as I always say, we got a chance to fix it. If you want to join us for the post-game show, uh, jump over right now to rubenreport.locals.com. Don't forget, we have an iOS app if you're using the iPhone. We've got a Android app if you're using the uh, Android, I guess it is. If Samsung or whatever that other phone is. If you're using one of those, we got an app for that too. Uh, part one of my interview with RFK Jr. is up across platforms. Full things up ad-free at Locals right now. We leave you with a comedian who we lost way, way, way too early. This is sort of separate from anything we did today. I just thought it was funny. A little Norm MacDonald, and we'll see everybody on the other side. Ciao. And there's Charles Woodson. How about that? What a season he had. Great, Manny. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, in which case... <laughs> all bets are off, counsel. Just a word of advice.
Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.